Take a seat, sit back, relax, and welcome to the Cladecast. Today, I have my good friend, Philip Fontanetta. Yeah, I'm, he's, he's here again today. It's the same day that uh, we filmed the last podcast with him, but you guys won't know that because I'm going to be posting it different times. Yeah. So, uh, hello again. How are you again? Good, good to be back. I'm wearing the same clothes. Yes, I'm wearing this, the same exact clothes too. Uh, so we're just gonna we're just gonna start talking. We don't really have anything planned. We just wanted to wanted to do another episode. Yeah, it should be good. Should be a good one. Yeah. So uh, today the waves in uh, Redonda Beach were pretty insane. You went surfing? I didn't go surfing. Oh, I, I watched the I watched the waves. Oh, from where? Uh, from home. On a website? Yeah, on Surfline. They were like six to seven feet. And they have like, they have like cameras recorded. Yeah, like, they have a automatic live video. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've been surfing a lot though. I, I've seen. That's cool. You come surfing with me a couple times. I think like two or three times. Yeah, that that was fun. I'm not too good at it. But <laughs> I'm a <laughs> it's fast hard, learner. It's yeah. It it's hard to learn or it's hard to do. But yeah, you're a fast learner, so you yeah. you got it pretty good. And plus, I think the jujitsu helps too. The ju- the jujitsu helps in surfing. Yeah, I you got to so. fight the water. No, no, not like that, but just with the balance and having to control your weight and having to uh, understand weight distribution, I think it, it helps a lot. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I did uh, I did a couple rounds this morning at uh, Trident over there in Redondo. Yeah, I watched you uh, on your live stream. Too. Oh, yeah, you were on my live stream. Yeah, it was cool. I had an old uh, wrestling friend. He uh, he was a good guy. He wrestled at uh, Maricosta. He went to state. I'm not sure what he placed, but he went to state. And so uh, he's really good at wrestling, but I've been teaching him jujitsu because it's a little different. Wrestling, there's no real finish moves. There's a few, but not like how there is in jujitsu. There's no chokes, no arm locks, no leg locks. Um, not really any sweeps, but uh, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool uh, art. Yeah, I've been wanting to do a little bit of jujitsu with you because you're going into mil- or you're going to the Marine Corps soon. I wanted to do a little bit of exchange of knowledge. You were going to teach me a little bit of uh, jujitsu. I was going to teach you how to egg beater in the water how to stay <laughs> up but we didn't we didn't end up doing that unfortunately yeah unfortunately yeah um but i have been practicing my uh treading water but yeah some help some some learning would have been nice but yeah jujitsu uh was fun today yeah yeah uh some of your jujitsu moves you taught me has actually helped me in water polo really yeah, <laughs> oh the pass bys and stuff yeah dude drag. you just dude just punching people in the water you, like <laughs> you just need to you just need to know how that to play water polo <laughs> yeah. water polo is intense you gotta yeah. know how to. Oh yeah, you gotta know how to do a lot of shit. A lot of uh, a lot of Navy SEALs are former former water players. Yeah, my uh, my water polo coach, uh, my freshman year, uh, he's going into the Navy now. He's huge. The blonde guy, right? Yeah, Skyler. Skyler, yeah, yeah, he's cool. He's going to the Navy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like sometimes when we're at school, like I'll just like walk by the pool and I'll just see him swimming in there. That's cool. Because his mom works there at the school. Oh yeah, yeah. I've noticed him. Yeah, we uh, when I would uh, weightlift for wrestling, he would always be in there, and we'd always talk and stuff about the military. But yeah, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Yeah, I mean, in water polo, like a lot of people, when when you're watching what people train for water polo, it looks easy. Like you see people like holding their hands out of the water, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that's easy, until someone asks you to actually do that, and oh, you yeah. just sink straight down. Oh yeah. Um. A couple weekends ago, I did this uh, workout with a couple special forces guys, some army rangers, a couple uh, marine recon guys, and a couple air force uh, PJs. They uh, put us through this weekend long hell day, and uh, 
We did everything from carrying logs to swimming in the pool to treading water to going on runs to doing PT. It was uh, it was brutal. And looking at the Instagram videos, it did not look that hard. <laughs> yeah, water. I think water polo is. A lot of people don't think it is, but it's definitely the hardest sport ever. Oh, I because it, it's really just punching and kicking underneath the water, and there's a lot that goes into it. It's kind of like kind of like football. There's a lot of rules to it. In uh, in water polo, there's a lot of rules to it, but it's it's so much fun. Like I like I, when I first started it, I I hated it. Like I didn't know how to tread water. I didn't know how to do anything. But I was kind of forced into it. But uh. I, I love it now. You happy you did it? I'm very happy it's, I did it. It sucked at first, but then uh, once you finally get rid of that beginner, that beginner wave, past that beginner wave, it was. Yeah, a lot I was. Uh, my parents wanted me to get into it because I was really chunky. <laughs> I was getting, I was getting really chunky, and I like, I quit baseball, I quit soccer. Yeah, I just wasn't into all of it. I really liked football, but I just, I, I eventually got into water polo, and I. Uh, although like I'm a really slow swimmer, I'm a good water polo player. Did you hurt your back before or after you started? I broke my back twice. So the first time was in sixth grade and that was like, that was kind of near when I, or I never broke it before I started water polo. So I started it and the first time I broke my back, I was in it for like a year and I couldn't play for a whole year after that. And then, uh, or like a whole season. And then when I came my freshman year, I was able to finish my first water polo season, but I was, I had to skip my swim season because the second time I broke it, it was like way worse and yeah. I had to miss it. I remember you, you went through that. Yeah. If you're, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see it, but uh, I have a picture up on my wall up there where Your it's me and my speedo and uh, me in a brace with my back broken. And I was, so I was swimming in the pool with a big back brace on. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing, but it's a, uh, it was funny. Yeah. It's for your health. That's, that's fine. Yeah, well, water polo is such a cool sport, um, but yeah, that's cool. Did you ever do any sports? I'd never remember you doing any sports. I did, I think, two years of club soccer. And that's it? I did baseball, like like little kid stuff. Yeah. And then um, I did baseball, I did AYSO soccer, mm-hmm. but like that's like little kid stuff. You know? I mean, you're really fit. I'm surprised you don't really do any sports. You just lift and, well, or you do jujitsu. That's a sport. Yeah. I remember I started Taekwondo when I was in fourth grade. No, third grade. And I did that up until like, I believe sixth grade. Um, I got a small little injury, so I stopped. And uh, I did volleyball and basketball my eighth grade year for the school. And then I started jujitsu summer going into high school. And I've been doing that since. So we're looking about six, seven years now of jujitsu. Yeah. Are you trying to do anything else other than jujitsu or you, you really like jujitsu? Uh, jujitsu is my favorite, man. Um, it's such a cool, it's such a cool art because I can, I can train really hard and usually not get injured. Um, like say if you were to do a boxing class and you were, you go really hard with your friends, you're, you're going to get punched in the face. You're going to get yeah. punched in the gut. That's a beautiful thing about jujitsu and wrestling is that, yeah, you will get hurt, but it's not to the extent, it's not of, to the extent of stuff like getting choked. It's not that bad. You're getting arm locked and you tap out. It's not that bad. Yeah. If you don't tap, it'll, it'll suck. But, uh, most of the time we're, we have good training partners. So that's a nice thing. I used to do Taekwondo as like a very little kid, but I was yeah. never able to get past like, I, I remember always getting really angry because I was never to get, I, was, I never got past the yellow belt and I would yeah. always get super heated as like a little toddler. Yeah. 
Um, that's the beautiful thing about jujitsu is that you can't get your blue belt until you're 16. Oh, that's kind of interesting. So you won't see little kids having black belts in jujitsu. Yeah. And plus it takes, jujitsu is one of the longest martial arts to get your black belt. On average, it takes eight, nine, ten years to get a black belt. And that's if you train straight through those eight, mm-hmm. eight, ten years. Um, you'll see people in Taekwondo get their black belt anywhere from three to four years, up to five years, maybe. Um, karate, I think it's uh, around the same. And, uh, it's, it's real, jujitsu is a real, uh, good art for discipline and having to keep up with it because it's very humbling. Mm-hmm. Knowing someone who's strong and going into the gym and they, uh, they get tapped out by uh, someone who's 40, a lot smaller than 40, 50 pounds smaller than them. It, it does a lot to your mental. You're like, how did he do that? Why, why was he able to do that? But that's a beautiful thing. It draws people into the sports. If he can do that to me, if I stick with this, how can I, what will I be able to do to the people bigger than me? Yeah. And I know that most of jujitsu and like any mixed martial art, most of it, or I would say a lot of it is all mental sport. Because if you're not determined, if you're not like thinking, oh, I can win this, you you already lost. Like Mike Tyson, when he was boxing, he would do psychological games with people. He'd like stare at them. And if they looked away from him, he'd know, oh, he, I won. Like he didn't, he looked away from me. I won. It's, it's like all the mental game. Yeah. Mental is a big portion of it. Knowing that you have a guy that's, I'm 140 and knowing you have a guy that's 200, 240 to a, to a lead. I think I fought one of the, uh, most I grappled with was someone around 250, 260 and just having them on top of you and you having to get out, it teaches you to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's real important because then once you start getting comfortable like that, you're like, okay, what else does life throw at me? What else can I handle? And it helps you a lot more confidence. You know, if I can tap out that guy who trains and he's bigger than me, what can I do to the guy on the street? Yeah, uh, for me, I'm like, I'm not the biggest person ever. I'm pretty short for like how old I am. But in water polo, I'm always playing like water polo is a tall person sport and I'm really short. And normally, if, like the tall people, they have a lot of speed and they have reach. For me, like, I don't have either of that. So in water polo, I have to, like, find ways to adapt. And sometimes I can be really intimidating, but I have to, like, use, I have to just be strong mentally to just know, hey, like, I, I have a lot of skills. I've been playing for so long. Like, I know this move and this move that I could get around being, like, with a tall player and all these different moves that I could do. Yeah, and that's similar how jiu-jitsu is. The way I look at it is you have, like, a toolbox. And the more techniques, the more skills, the more you practice, the more tools you're putting into your toolbox. So when you grapple, when you, you spar with someone, or if you're in a street fight, you can open up your toolbox and you'll have multiple resources at your availability. Because mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu is that you can win a fight off your back. You can be on the bottom of the fight and choke your opponent unconscious. You can be in the bottom of the fight and landing elbows to where they can't really hit you back. It's uh, quite quite a beautiful thing to do. Um, in jujitsu, if you're like in a fight or like doing sparring someone, uh, well, sparring is different than fighting. If you're fighting someone, uh, I like, I've heard something or like seen something like in the UFC, a lot of your training just goes out the door. And like a lot of times you're just left to like your muscle memory and like, like certain core moves that are in your memory is when you're fighting, does that often happen to you where you, where like you'll be training this one move for a while, but you just refer back to old moves that you're just really used to. Yeah, when you learn when you learn new moves, and 
you're like, well, crap, that didn't work. You'll resort to what you know works. But it's just not that the new move doesn't work. It's just that you haven't perfected it enough. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to put so many, so many hours into it that you can do it like nothing. Um, I, I heard a thing from the, from the workout I did with the Army guys, uh, Army Rangers and stuff. They said it takes a habit. You have to do it 10,000 times to build a habit. Mm-hmm. 10,000 times. 10,000. And that's when you uh, can finally do it without, without thinking. Like when you look at um, special forces and stuff, when they reload their weapons, when they do a pistol reload, they don't think about it. It's just feel. They drop the mag, put the new one in, drop a slide release, and then uh, it happens. They just mm-hmm. they just do it. When you look at them reloading their rifles, they do it without even looking. It's all feel because they've done it thousands and thousands, thousands of times. times. Yeah, because when you're in a high-stress situation like something like a firefight, that you don't have time to think, okay, I need to hit the mag release. I need to grab it this way. I need to grab the magazine this way. I need to pull it out, then feed it into my magwell. You don't think about it like that. Mm-hmm. All you do is boom, boom, boom. It's just muscle memory. Yeah, muscle memory. Now, have you ever been in a street fight before? Um, One time. And like when you're in a street fight and you're not ready for it, it's like your body goes to fight or flight. Did you, did you use a lot of your skills? Uh, I think you told me the story once, but I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, it was a real short fight. Um, I didn't throw any, it was, uh, at the time my, my girlfriend's cousin Mm -hmm. and some stuff happened and he didn't like what I was saying, but he was just misinterpreting it. Um, and he came all the way. He took the bus 30 minutes to come to Redondo. To fight you? To fight me. <laughs> and uh, I tried avoiding it best I could. Because when you learn how to fight, you don't need to fight people, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, he he was determined. And when someone's determined, it will happen. So he was determined to, uh, to handle his business with me. And I ended up, um, I, I took him down. I was on top. And then once I was on top, I, I wasn't thinking to where I was like, okay, I'm let me go on my back. So I pulled him on top of the fight to where I'd be on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tried raining down punches. I, he probably threw about 30, 40 punches. Mm-hmm. I think two or three of them landed. And I just remember getting hit. I was like, oh, that's not bad. I've been, <laughs> I've been hit harder in jiu-jitsu. And then I swung around for an arm lock, uh, arm bar from the bottom of the guard. And... I remember pulling it, pulling it, and my hips were too shallow on the arm. My hips was, instead of being here to where you can, above the elbow Mm -hmm. to where you can break the arm, it was below the elbow on the forearm. Yeah. So it wasn't. So you weren't doing anything to him. So I wasn't able to break the arm, but I was still cranking it. And then I was able to use my legs to push him away. I pushed him away and he got up and he was cradling his elbow. Not that I broke it or anything, but it, it just hurt. It hurt. So I was ready to keep on fighting and then that's when people broke it up. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's in uh, that's intense. Uh, I I always imagine like situations where I get into a street fight, and I always imagine like how it would go. Mm-hmm. But I'm always worried like when I get into that fight or flight situation, like what I would try doing, and knowing that like my back is broken, like like would I try to flight, like be a little bit more scared and try to run away because I know I could possibly hurt my back, or would I just go full rage mode and just unleash all of my force and power unleash the beast unleash the beast yeah um when you look at jujitsu jujitsu was first designed as a self-defense as a martial art but because of the way it is it 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 doesn't incorporate strikes so 
a lot of the street self-defense techniques have been lost because you'll have people that only train for competition. Mm-hmm. And when you have that mindset of competition, it it gets rid of all your str- all the street self-defense because in competition, most of them you can't slam. Mm-hmm. You can't throw punches. So if you're not training to defend against slams and punches, when you get into a street fight, when there are slams and punches, a lot of these sport jujitsu guys get get beat up, and you're wondering why. Like, why did this happen? I'm I'm a I've been doing jujitsu for six seven years, and why did this happen? When you look at it, it's like, dude, you never trained with gloves on, you never trained with slams, you never trained how to be in a street fight. So when that happened, what do you expect? I don't go into a tournament without training for a tournament if i went to a tournament and didn't train and, and lost by points yeah i'll understand i didn't train for that tournament you need to train for the streets like a tournament where you're training with punches you're like i said you're training with slams because if if you have a have a choke on someone and they jump up and land on their back with you on it and you never trained that you need to learn how to defend against that but most people don't know how to do that when they only train competition yeah, that's a that'd be really intense. I I hope I never get into switch situation where I have to end up being in a street fight. And hopefully they don't know jujitsu. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I'm pretty big, mm-hmm. even though I'm short. I like I have a lot of muscle. Yeah, I feel like I could do pretty good damage in a street fight. I think so too. You, I've seen I've seen you. Uh, Boxing though, when I boxed uh, your friend Tommy, I got uh, I got pretty. Uh, Hit, get in the head. Yeah, Tommy's just a different animal. Yeah, he's a he's a big man. And plus, I've taught Tommy a lot of stuff. Like even now, Tommy's never done a single jujitsu class, but I've been teaching him for about two years now, and, and he's get, gotten really good. And it's getting hard for me to tap him. Like yeah. today, well, he's also really strong. He is, also is really. Is strong. it more important to be strong or more be more strategic in jujitsu? Technique. 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 So when it comes to jujitsu, all technique, even in the streets, to where you can. As long as you have solid technique and you know the right techniques at the right time, you're fine. Um, my instructor said the right move at the wrong time is the wrong move. The, say that again? The right move at the wrong time is the wrong move. Uh, you can't force an arm lock on someone when the arm lock isn't there. Mm-hmm. You can't force the choke when you're not in the position for the choke. Yeah. You have to set it up. One thing we say is position before submission. A submission is where someone taps. Yeah. So you have to be in the right position to do that. Where if I want to choke you, I need to get behind you and establish my leg hooks to where you can't turn into me. If mm-hmm. I go into you and wrap up the choke, if I go behind you and wrap up the choke and I don't have your lower body in control, it'll be easier for you to turn out. Mm-hmm. But if I get behind you, throw in my leg hooks, you're not going to be able to turn your hips to where you can escape out the choke. So like I said, position before submission. Yeah. Uh, like in a in a survival situation though, I feel like it'd be hard to use those types of moves. Like I, you've you've shown me some things where if someone were to holding a gun or a knife, if if someone were to do out. that, yeah, a lot of that goes, goes out, out the window. window. Um, when you look at that, um, knife fighting is very real. Mm-hmm. When you get into a knife fight, you will get cut, regardless how good you are, what you think you know, how many times you trained, you will get cut. But regardless, is to get cut and be able to survive yeah as in uh knife fighting is very important because you have to understand the uh, principles of the knife you need to understand i when it comes to weapons you need to isolate the arm you Mm -hmm. need to pin it you need to um do it to where they can't do it you can't use the utilize their arm there's a bunch of different techniques for that 
but you will get cut when it comes to a knife fight. Don't get it wrong. Um, you need to understand that you will get cut. And um, like I said, a lot of those techniques will go out the window. But as long as you understand the idea of isolating the arm, mm-hmm. you will be uh, a lot better off than no one. And so say someone were to pull a knife on you, the best move would be to just walk away. Get out of there. Give them, give them the money and walk away. But yeah. Or you pull out, pull out a gun. Do you have any like survival like hacks? I you know a lot about like real life scenarios, and mm-hmm. you've done a lot of military and army training. Like you, yeah. You want to tell me the story about how you were doing this lockdown at, at an airport, like a sh- like a shootout lockdown oh, at the airport. Yeah, that that's cool. a really interesting story. Yeah. Um. So because of my dad and what he did before he retired, um, I was very fortunate enough to go a bunch of different training exercises. So, uh, I've been to several active shooter drills to where they train for fire, fire EMS and police officers. I've done some at the mall, airports, um, schools. Uh, I've been Is to the school scary when, well, school was a little different because I was the bad guy at that time. Oh, you got to play the bad guy. I got to play the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm telling you when I was the bad guy and I was on the second story and I come out the room with a fake gun. And we're obviously in a training exercise, but you come out with a fake gun and you see six barrels with flashlights pointed at you. You're like, okay. I mean, in a situation, in this simulated situation though, as, as you were in the shoes of a school shooter, do you think that if there weren't, uh, like cops there right away that like something bad could have happened if a hundred percent? Yeah. I think, uh, I don't think arming teachers is the right idea. I don't think that's their job. Mm-hmm. If you have a teacher that's willing to put in the hours to get trained, properly trained, to have the mental assets to defend um, themselves, you're not protecting yeah. the, At that point, you're not protecting the class. You're protecting yourself as a teacher. So you lock the doors, and if someone comes in the room with your students, you take the action necessary with your training you have been given. Um, I don't think, like I said, teachers is the right thing. What like I think a perfect world would be, obviously a perfect world there'd be no bad bad guys, but there are bad guys, and we need to live with that. So I think what we should do with schools and stuff, if the money is there, because obviously everything takes money. Yeah. Um, One thing I think would be a good idea is take former military, former police officers. Not really police officers, because a lot of them will retire when they're a lot older Mm -hmm. and don't need a job. But when you have guys that come out the military and are struggling to find jobs and they have the right training and they've been mentally assessed to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, have former military guys be armed security at schools. You think that you think that there should be more armed people at the school? I agree. We, at Redondo, we have, we only have one person and that's officer Harris. Yeah. And she's the student's resource officer, but she, and she's the only armed person at and, the school. And she's not even there fraction of the time. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. What's the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun? With a gun. A good guy with a gun. Good. A good guy with a gun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's upsetting to see all this stuff happening these days. Um. With these uh, we'll call them lunatics. With these lunatics. Yeah. Uh, happening, thinking they are making a difference, thinking they're doing something. In reality, they're just the scum of the earth that deserve to rot in hell. Um, but yeah, I believe armed security 
with the proper training. Proper training is mm-hmm. key um, to have those people at schools in ideal locations at the right times to uh, prevent when someone has an idea or possibly be considering it to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should reassess. Maybe I should get help. Maybe I should be doing other things to benefit myself to where it doesn't involve hurting innocent people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's one thing I think is important is uh, is uh, good people with weapons. And do you think that the current like systems we have, well, you went to our school and you know how our lockdown systems work where it's like run fight or hide do you think that that's an accurate or like a a good run hide fight yeah do you think that's a good way to prepare for a school shooting if something were to happen like that we are i i consider at least where you are training Mm -hmm. but when i was the bad guy that stuff would have stopped me especially if i have a weapon Mm -hmm. yeah that stuff's not gonna stop me um the best thing is to obviously get away from the scene hop the fence Mm -hmm. just start running for blocks um, but when you look at it, if someone's, like I said, determined, mm-hmm. they'll find a way. The only way to stop them will be with when someone who's with good intentions, with the right tools will show up to stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think we should have armed security, but, um, run, when you go back to run, hide, fight, if you have a bunch of kids locked in the classroom, I think they're just a bunch of sitting ducks. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, but also, what else are you going to do? You're not going to be able to evacuate the whole school within 30 seconds of hearing gunshots, you know? Mm-hmm. You you see how chaotic it is when we do fire drills. Now, yeah, exactly. Now, imagine people scared for their lives when there is, they're hearing gunshots, when they see blood, when they see bad things. It's not, it's not good. Um, when I was uh, doing these drills, we'd have makeup artists come, come on. Uh, and put fake blood everywhere. And put fake blood everywhere, put fake wounds on people. So these victims would have a card, like an index card, and they would say their type of injury. Gunshot leg to the wound, arm uh, cut open, uh, and it'll be like, oh, you're dead. You've yeah. been shot in the head. You've been shot in the neck. You're dead. Uh, one person would be like, you were shot in the stomach. So when uh, these, the way it would work is that the police would clear through, make sure it's safe. And then once they established that they would save shooter down, shooter uh, uh, in custody, they would say, okay, scene is clear. And then that's when fire EMS would go. Mm-hmm. One uh, hard thing that police officers have to deal with at that is being able to walk past people and not help. And that must be really it's traumatizing. To both parties, police yeah. officers and... Um, the person on the ground. Yeah. Help. Imagine you see these guys, these knights nice in shining armor come over you. And they just keep walking and you're bleeding out. Mm-hmm. That's that's real tough. Um, but if they stay and stop and help you, who's watching their back when the guy comes around the corner and shoots them? Now you have both parties injured. Yeah. Um, so they need to make sure the scene is safe. And then that's when fire and EMS are uh, standing by and waiting to come in. Um, it was uh, real scary. But that's a beautiful thing is why they train. They train mm-hmm. for a worst case scenario. They've been training ever since these uh, school shootings have been happening a lot more. Mass shootings, school shootings have been happening a lot more. They've been training for that, uh, both local, state, and federal. Um, they will do everything from exercises to uh, to setting up events and stuff. And I think one thing that was really uh, good is that these firefighters are getting trained. Do you think that the firefighters are eventually going to get armed? No, no, not not in that way. Trained as in understanding mass casualty. When you have, when you have, um, 
60, 30, 40, 20 people people injured, you need to understand mass casualty situations as in um, how to start pulling these people out the building, how to start setting up a casualty collection point, starting up an evacuation point. One serious key point was, okay, you have all these police officers coming in in their squad cars, right? Yeah. To the parking lot. And now they're in the buildings clearing it, right? Mm-hmm. How the heck is the fire truck supposed to come through? Yeah. Now the fire truck is 200, 150 yards out. So now you need to start carrying those f- paramedics can't get into the school once it's safe. That was one thing they, the problem they had with all these different types of cars, all these police cars, SWAT cars. Mm-hmm. SWAT usually won't be there right away. But when you have all these different officers coming, how the heck is the ambulance supposed to come up to the school? Yeah, they can't. That's, that's a scary thought, right? Mm-hmm. How about... When you have, um, let's say a student that's a hundred, let's say 250 pounds and he's dead weight, not dead, but he's dead weight yeah. where he can't walk. How the hell are you going to carry him? Yeah. 200, 300 possible yards. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing they train for. Um, another thing is, uh, when you have these, uh, police officers going through and you come across a god forbid a kid that wanted to do damage a kid with a weapon and they have to take the kid's life yeah you have a kid that wanted to uh, hurt people and now these police officers have to stop the threat and they have to put down this kid with a weapon it's hard on the officers too yeah they're bad people but a lot of it's mental but that's why we train that's why we always try and be ready um yeah I, I I couldn't imagine someone putting down a kid and like watching American Sniper too like that's watching tough. someone uh yeah, having to kill a kid is horrible. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, like we talked about on our last podcast, uh, like people are are arming kids and training kids that like Americans are bad, and they're teaching them to like I saw that cause uh, cause problems and kill. I did. Uh, what are you a senior right now? No, I'm a junior. You're a junior. If you do go back to school, there was a teens and policing class that I was able to do my senior year. Oh, I think I heard about that. It, it was worth. It was it was free, but it was worth going to mm-hmm. um we did so many cool things one thing we did was uh i'm not sure if you ever did this with uh the uh at the redondo beach library when they have like the remember the police fairs they'd have like once a year and you'd always go down at yeah. the police station they would have these uh these shooters these uh fake guns f- uh this like uh it'd be like a tv imagine a tv screen with a projector oh yeah i know and it'd give you a gun with like a laser to where it's like a video game but it's real life simulations Mm -hmm. when i did the teens and policing class we had this one simulation where you pull over and um you pull over this guy in a truck and he wasn't being cooperative and so you had to you had to get you got into it with him and then you have him in custody, and he says he has a kid in a car. So now your daddy's in custody, and the kid comes out with a shotgun. And it was oh, it was Jesus. a it was a four year old. He says you had to do that in the and, simulation. And he said, "Stop hurting my dad." And they stopped it, and they said, "We're not going to finish it, but we'll let you guys decide what you would do." And they were like, "But just remember, three two pounds of pressure. That's all it takes." That's that's intense. That's scary. Yeah. Stuff you got to think about. I mean, you kind of, in that situation, you kind of have to, mm. un- unfortunately, you would have to shoot the kid if someone's pointing a gun at you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation, but yeah. Um, one thing that I think was uh, a tough situation was 
when uh, the, I'm trying to word it, when you have these police officers and they have, uh, there's this thing called suicide by cop. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. Where they're not necessarily kids, it could be anyone, but when adults, anyone, they want to end their life, but they're too much of a coward to do it themselves. Um, they, they do as much as they can so that the police can shoot them. The police can shoot them. But, um, yeah, exactly. Stuff as in going to a park with a gun, not doing any damage, but just there so now the police will get called and now you point the gun at the cops and they light you up. Exactly. That's uh, one thing a lot of cops have to deal with. Or when they realize it was a fake weapon or when they realize that it was a kid. It's just tough situations. Mm -hmm. But that's why you always got to be ready. Yeah. uh, So our time is up. Thank you again. This one went by fast again, like our last one we went on. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm going to miss you when you're gone. Yeah. Uh, Thank you everyone for listening and watching. Episodes come out every single Friday. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Goodbye.